talking about birds and other animals a little bit later on this hour with Dr. Kimberley. And uh, we're going to tell you about a fun competition that's starting up. And uh, Shaw Shaw knows a lot about this too, but it is already on the 2NURFM.com webpage. If you go down the front of the homepage, you will see... There's a dirty dog. And the dirty dog, we are asking you to send your photos of your dirty dog in to us. It's a competition. At the end of the month, the last Wednesday of each month, Cheryl Shaw will be drawing the winner. Now, if you do go down and follow the links and uh, click here to submit your Oh, what a beautiful picture there is <laughs> on the 2NURFM webpage. There is a whole pile of puppies. They look as though they could be Dalmatians and they're getting brushed off, um, going from <laughs> black background to white background. Now, there is also a couple, a photo, a couple of photos of two dirty dogs and maybe your dog can get as dirty as this or dirtier but that gives you an idea as to how what sort of photo we're looking for what's the prize Cheryl they there is a prize each month we're going to be looking at the photograph of the dirty dog we're trying to um uh, give an opportunity for a dirty dog to have a nice bath and a, and a bit of a spa treatment. So each month we will draw that. So we would like to see as many dirty dog photographs as we can because this year it is actually the year of the dog in the Chinese lunar year. And why not celebrate that by um, yeah, getting something special for your dog? Absolutely. And you know what? A clean dog is nice to be around, but we do like to look at these dirty dog pictures. <laughs> they are beautiful. What are the benefits of dogs being clean? Clean. Obviously, if a dog is clean, it's going to be a lot healthier because the skin is going to be healthy. Um, when you bath the dog, you're massaging the dog, getting rid of any um, you know sort of debris that may be there, but helping to keep the skin and the coat a lot cleaner. Um, as dogs get older, they also emanate a lot of oils, so an older dog often is a bit dirty, a bit smelly, a bit greasy, and making sure that we use the right shampoos so that doesn't irritate the skin, and um, yeah, just making sure that the dog is nice and clean. So it's got benefits for your dog, and this might be a lovely way to pamper your dog in the year of the dog. Take a look to nurfm.com, and as I say, down the bottom on the left, there's a, a link through to the Dirty Dog competition. I think it's going to sound fun. I should also say that Sarah Farley Adams, who's usually here at this time, um, there is a dirty dog picture of her dog. Yeah, little Gizzy, look how dirty he is. It is amazing. So get your photos in, be as creative as you like, take a look at the two we've got there on the Dirty Dog competition page and be in it. Got to be in it to win it. And uh, Dr. Kimberley, uh, you love birds, mm -hmm. small animals, mm -hmm. even rats. I do. Even rats, absolutely. I see lots of rats in my practice, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, they're all very friendly, are they? They are, most they of the time. Yeah, most of mm. the time, okay. All righty. Now, um, you were wanting to talk about microchips. Yeah, microchipping. microchipping. So I think most people are aware of the use of microchipping in dogs and cats. That's pretty um, standard. And certainly in New South Wales, um, all the people may not be aware, but the, the legal requirement is that no puppy or kitten is meant to be rehomed from their place of birth without a microchip. It happens a lot. We, we still see a lot of puppies and kittens coming to us without microchips. And I think it's a lot to do with the fact that there's not really 
people policing it very well. But certainly if you're a responsible breeder um, or if you want to be getting a pet from a responsible breeder, they should be coming with a microchip and ideally a vaccination. Um, but I don't think people are as aware about the fact that microchips can be really useful in some of our exotic pets as well. Really? Um, I'm, a, uh, I'm on a number of, you know, sort of Facebook forums and things like that, Newcastle, Lost Birds and those sorts of things. I sort of troll around there to see um, if anything comes through my doors at the practice. And um, it never fails to amaze me how many, you know, there's, there's birds that get lost all the time. And frequently it's somebody's lorikeet or somebody's ringneck or somebody's eclectus. Um, and a lot of these birds from the outside look very, very similar. It can be hard to identify them. But uh, people may not be aware that we can very easily put microchips into small animals. So we microchip birds, we microchip rabbits. Um, I've done snakes before. Um, and it's a really, really good way of being able to positively identify this as your pet. It doesn't help you find them if they're still lost in the bush, but um, it certainly can help to identify it. Um, so pretty much anything from about 70 grams. I've certainly put microchips into 70-gram cockatiels. Um, and these days we use mini chips. So the chips that we were using 10 years ago are actually a lot bigger than the chips we use now. So the ones we use now, if you can imagine, they're about the size of a... Um, uh, long grain rice, you know, grain, like that's the sort of um, the quite size small. they are. They're quite little. They still have a decent size needle on them. And certainly for our bird patients, um, we always put them in under an anesthetic, um, but we don't necessarily for rabbits and things like that. Our practice has a stray rabbit in at the moment, and if that rabbit had a microchip, we'd be able to scan the chip, contact the owners um, based on the microchip registry details, and get them home to their owners. As it is at the moment, we're left with things like, you know, public awareness, making making it known on Facebook and those sorts of things that we have a stray rabbit and hopefully we'll get it in touch with its owners, but we can't guarantee that. So um, have a think about it. If you have a bird, even if it's not a particularly special bird, um, special as in it's not a rare breed, I guess. I'm sure it's special to a lot of people. But if you have a, a pet, a bird or a rabbit that you really, really love, have a think about talking to your vet and getting a microchip put in. Because that does make it a lot easier to reconnect Absolutely. if the bird yep. goes missing. Absolutely. And uh, 49216216 is the number for your call. Stella from Charlestown, you've got a question about a miniature dog. Yes, we have a um, miniature Dachshund. He is six years old. And I was just patting him yesterday and felt um, like a small lump just under his front arm. Um, it's quite soft and moves around, mm -hmm. um, probably the size of a pea. Um, and I'm just really concerned. It's, it wasn't there before. It's yeah. just sort of come up. Maybe yeah. the last couple of days. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So listen, any any lump really probably needs to be looked at by your veterinarian. Um, a lot of them are going to be benign and they're not going to be problematic. But if it's new and you've just sort of noticed it come up and if you, you know, have a look at it and you sort of say, oh, well, it's not like just a little bit of scab material there or something like that. He hasn't just, you know, got a little nick in the skin. Um, then I definitely think it would be worthwhile taking up to your veterinarian. Um, the chances are that it's normal, but there are lots of things that aren't and, and they're always better for us to deal with them when they're um, newly diagnosed or newly found and nice and small rather than when they're big. So um, usually your vet's going to have a bit of a look at it, try to um, work out the characteristics of it, and then they may stick a little needle in and try to get a little sample of the cells to give them a better indication of whether it's something nasty or whether it's something we're just going to ignore. Okay. Okay. All right, then. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for your call, Stella, 49216216. And Roz is on the line from Rutherford. And uh, you've got a small pup, but it's a young pup, Roz, and you're worried about claws. Yeah, I am. He has a tendency to 
to jump up on it yep. all the time and it's tearing all our skin. Yeah, little um, puppy daggers. <laughs> Yeah. It's a really hard thing. Listen, there's there's no reason they can't be trimmed. Um, puppy nails in general, just because the, the nails and the feet are small, they do tend to be sharper. But certainly a lot of puppies have very sharp little tips on them. Um, and it, we certainly do trim a lot of them. Um, it's a, what did you say? Did you say what kind of dog it was? Sorry. Um, it's a Kelpie cross. A Kelpie cow. cross, yeah. So probably likely to have some dark nails, um, not the not the pale ones that are really easy to see the bloodline in. Um, I would always be very careful and just go from the tip and work your way back gradually. It may take you two or three little snips to clip them off. If you're uncomfortable with doing it, go into your local vet, pop into your local vet, and I'm sure one of the nurses there would be happy to either do it for you or show you how to do it. Um, puppies are actually usually relatively easy to do the nails safely, but you can still clip the bloodline and we don't really want to do that because that's going to set them up for a whole um, lifetime of sort of having their feet you know resenting having their feet played with Um, but sharp nails and puppies is a really common issue so definitely go and get the nails trimmed up sure lovely thanks so much you're very welcome thanks Roz. and i suppose it's a lot easier for a cat you just give them a pole to scratch on (laughs) it is but we trim lots of cat nails as well um we we actually do it in clinic uh, quite a lot before if it's an ohns issue if you get a cat who's a bit stressed or cranky in hospital you can do quite a lot of damage with those nails so most cats coming to hospital in our practice not all but most of them will get their nails trimmed and uh we've had a call from lynn from fennel bay hello lynn you've got not a young puppy but an old dog with a problem. Yes. yes. I have a 17-year-old Maltese Shih Tzu cross mm-hmm. and he's a bit slower now as you can imagine and um, we just, we basically sleeps a lot but he in the recent few weeks or well probably months um, his eyes have become they get mucky very mm-hmm. quickly and so I clean them very regularly you have to yeah. and um, I was just wondering is there anything I can do that I'm not doing already, that you might have some suggestions for him. Yeah, has, has he been looked at by your vet or not at this stage? Quite regularly. Quite regularly, but he, yeah. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't sort of, he, I don't think he's too worried about his eyes yeah. and probably his eyes aren't yeah, too sure. bad when he sees me. When but sees. when I get up in the morning and then again in the evening, um, I'll give them a, a clean with just some, mm. some salty water. Yeah. I mean, he's very docile. He's very happy for me just to give them a clean. Yeah. But I thought... I wondered whether maybe it's a bit dry and is that it's, why? Listen, it's possible. There's, there's a whole bunch of things and congratulations for getting a dog to 17 years because that's a real accomplishment <laughs> in and of itself. Um, there's a lot of things that can happen in older dog eyes just the way they can in older human eyes. Um, you know, the, the medical list is things like glaucoma, cataracts, those sorts of things. Uveitis is really common and any of those can cause discharge in the eyes. Your vet would likely have um, noticed them unless it's a real significant, you know, a real rapid change um, if he's not pawing at them or really squinty and things like that and he doesn't seem painful one of the things that we do sometimes find in older dogs is that they tend to lose lean muscle mass and sometimes they're in a bit of a weight loss um, you know sort of uh, stage of their life um, yeah. and around the eye there's a lot of in, inside the skull around the eye there's a lot of fat so if he's actually losing a bit of fat just slowly from around his head and around his eyes then the eyes can tend to sink into the skull a little bit more and so they've got sort of deeper pockets and sulcuses around um, between the where the eyeball and the lids and things where 
And it may be that he's accumulating a bit of, um, you know, muck and detritus there that he's not able to sort of just, just get out as, as well as usual. Okay. Um, but I would, you know, for any eye problem, I guess I would say that I, I would still, if it's new, if it's a new issue, it may be worthwhile just getting him checked out because some of these guys will develop lens induced uveitis secondary to cataracts and that can be quite painful. And old dogs are sometimes very, um, stoic. They just don't sort of show you anything. They're just, I'm just going to yeah, lie right. here. And yeah. so it's worthwhile having it checked out because if there is some pain, in the eye, there's some very simple medications that can make him more comfortable. Um, okay. If the if the discharge is relatively just sort of white mucoid or greyish, sort of, it's probably it's, not it's a, brown. a problem. He's had a brown discharge for years. Yeah, it's, and it's. It's similar to that, but it's more. More, yeah. So I think it's probably not, if he hasn't been seen recently, it's probably worthwhile having a quick check. It's likely to be nothing too serious, but it's worthwhile because we want our old um, our old fellows to be nice and comfortable in their senior years. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Lynn. And uh, Jacinta has rung in from Bar Beach. Now, Jacinta, your problem is not with your dog, but with other people's dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, um, we... we don't have dogs, like I say, but we keep getting um, two or three, maybe even four dog poos in our front lawn. Mm-hmm. And we've put a sign up to say, please, dear owner, please clean up your dog's mess. And it hadn't really worked. So we were told that we, there might be, we spray vinegar on the dog poo to, because they're territorial or something. Mm-hmm. So they keep coming back to the same spot, but that hasn't really Helped worked. Either. They just move on to the next spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a challenge. Certainly dogs produce a lot of, um, you know, pheromones and things like that, that when they, when they poo on the grass that um, it'll stay in the soil for a, you know, a decently long time even after the poo is there. Um, Vinegar is unlikely to be useful unfortunately and it is, it is just a really unfortunate sort of thing. You know, we'd like to think that people who have dogs are responsible and um, pick up their dog waste and it's usually a, you know, a few people who are ruining it for everybody else. Um, you, I don't know, in terms of putting it on your lawn, I mean, certainly when we talk about house training dogs and puppies and things, we always encourage people to use an enzyme-based cleaner because it actually will break down the protein in the enzymes. Mm, Vinegar's mm. not going to touch the protein, unfortunately, but I'm not really sure that you would want to be spraying a bunch of, um, you know, puppy mess cleaner on the lawns. It's probably not great for the lawn. No. Um, no. So, yeah, I I'm, unfortunately haven't got a really good clue for that one. Um, uh, you know, a good tip other than... Um, yeah, stand out, wave a flag when the dogs go past. <laughs> Shoe dogs. Really yeah. no easy solution. No, there isn't, unfortunately. And I have the same problem. I've got a few de- neighborhood dogs that um, come mm. and, and deposit on my lawn as well. So, yeah, it I is a hard thing, okay. unfortunately. Right, right. Okay. I Thank you. I just want to say a special hello to Cheryl Shaw. I know her from Adamstown Public School. Oh, okay. Hi, Jacinta. Jacinta, I admire what you've done in putting the sign out. I think that's actually a a very good good idea because it it does make people aware that um, their dogs are messing in your yard. Mm. So, yeah. Right, right. Good luck with that. Keep the sign there. All right. Thank you again, though. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks for your call, Jacinta. And uh, there used to be a theory that if you put plastic bottles full of water around on your lawn, that would dissuade dogs. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Uh, I think that's a wives' tale, really. Mm. Can't ah, see, what a can't pity. see how that would be helpful. <laughs> yeah. But mm. we're taking your calls on four nine two one six two one six. Nick has rung in from Knightbridge. and we're back to the puppy stage now, Nick. And uh, you've got a bit of a problem with your pup. Yeah, g'day. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we got you, Nick. What's your problem with your puppy? Okay, we've got, just quickly, I've got a five-year-old D6 
uh, female cavoodle, purebred, yep. great. Got a 10-week old male, unsexed at this stage. Yep. Uh, cavoodle's coming. They're getting on fine. Um, the male came with the normal stuff from the breeder, what to uh, eat. He hasn't really, apart from the very first night, attempted to eat the dry dog food. Mm-hmm. Uh, he eats scrambled egg in the morning, which <laughs> the breeder said to eat. And has his rolled meat that we said at night time. I do mix the dry dog food in the game and make it a bit moist to try and get him to eat it, but he just steps around it. So yep. he's eating okay, he's fine, um, but he needs to eat this uh, this yeah, particular because uh, he was constipated this morning, which is not a good sign. Right. Yeah. So listen, I guess how how often are you feeding him? Twice a day. Yeah, morning and night. Morning and night, yeah. So, I mean, the the thing is most puppies will eat um, dry biscuit food, but it may be that he's not getting very hungry. I'm not sure what the idea is behind scrambled eggs. It's not what I would recommend feeding a dog. There's no real benefit to feeding scrambled eggs. It's a, it's a good protein source, but um, really we do want him on to be, you know, to be on a good quality puppy food. So he's getting all the right nutrients in the right proportions. Um, yeah. And... Um, I think we need to make him a little hungrier. Um, same with dog roll in the evening. Not really an awesome thing for them to be eating. Those dog rolls are f- sometimes full of a lot of um, different preservatives and things that make them um, stay in that moist sort of formed. Um, they're just full of some stuff. We get a lot of puppies that seem to have issues uh, with dog roll. So um, I think we need to just be offering our dog less choice. Um you know, every every dog will eat dry dog food, but if they're given yeah. the opportunity to eat other things, he's filling up on the other things and he knows the other stuff is coming. He's probably just yeah. holding out. And it may be related to portion as well. He may not be getting very hungry. So, um, you know, I would uh, certainly adding some hot water sometimes. If you think he doesn't have all of his um, teeth in, a 10-week-old small breed puppy, sometimes they don't have all their um, molar teeth in and they don't like to chew. Um, but usually they're starting to teethe pretty well at that point and they're, and they're really into yeah. a chewing stage. So I would try cutting back on the other stuff and just not offering him much other than the, um, the biscuits. Um, make sure it's small portions. Cavoodles are little dogs. We're talking a quarter of a cup of dry food is plenty, um, from a meal size standpoint. Um, you can try it dry, try it maybe with, um, you know, a bit of hot water onto it. That will sometimes soften it, but also it'll often bring out the smell in it a little bit more. Um, yeah. And we don't really want him to be fasted, but yeah, sometimes it's just a matter of getting them a little bit hungrier. Dogs are opportunistic feeders, so they will eat what's put in front of them if we give them the opportunity to get hungry enough. So a little dog, I don't want you to starve him or anything like that, but just cut his portions down um, enough of the other stuff or, or stop them so he's hungry enough to eat the dry food. And you'll, you'll be successful. It might take 48 hours. Okay, so okay. tomorrow morning, rather than giving the, the, the scrambled eggs, just give him the dry dog food. Yep, yep, I would. Leave it down for 15 minutes. If he doesn't eat it, put it down. If you, if you get the opportunity, put it down another couple of hours later for 15 minutes. Um, won't take him long. He'll work it out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, and then, and then dry dog food. Dry dog food again at night. I'm yeah. seeing my bed on Saturday to... Yeah. Get some needle and blah blah blah, but yeah. until then, just the dry dog food morning. It's quality do- uh, dog food, not yeah. cheap. Yeah, like I said, I I don't want him, I mean, if he's being, he's a puppy, so we've got to keep his blood sugar up. So if he's really being, you know, forceful about not eating, it may be that you have to wean him off of the, you know, the dog roll and stuff like that. But certainly, you know, cutting his portions of the other stuff down fairly significantly um, and then just, you know, leaving the dry food um, as the the main source there for him to have access to, that's what I would do, yeah. 
Okay. Okay, thanks a lot. You're welcome. I hope that course of action works well, Nick. And uh, Trevor has rung in from Tanilba Bay, and uh, you've got a dog question too. I certainly do. What can we help you with today, Trevor? I've got a nine-year-old Border Collie, Mm -hmm. and recently added to the family, she would now be nearly three-year-old Border Collie. Okay. She's decided instead of being a dog that she wants to be an excavator. Okay. Digging holes (laughs) that go way, way, way under the grass and maybe four or five metres long, and then they drop off even deeper at the end. Seriously, four or five metres, that's quite... This is the young dog, the three-year-old, is it? Well, the three-year-old seems to be have sand all over her when I get home. Yeah. The other Border Collie must be helping her because there's no way she could move that amount of sand um, (laughs) out of this trench, and it's like a trench. It's barely enough for her to turn around and walk out. Wow, okay. And I just don't know. It's not happening all the time. Um, This is now probably the fifth time she's done it. Okay. Uh, but she, she, he ha- the other border collie must be helping her get the dirt out because he's got dirt in his eyes. Yeah. Um, is there any... Um, I think I can... I'm worried that it's going to cave in and yeah, um, bury him. It's pretty remarkable, actually. I mean, we always sort of talk about, you know, digging is a normal behavior for dogs. Um, it sounds like that dog is becoming a bit obsessive about it. Um, and you said it's a recently added to the dog, to the family sort of dog. So, you know, we could be dealing with a dog who's still in an adjustment phase, who's maybe, um, experiencing a bit of anxiety or maybe trying to, I don't know, get back to where they used to be. Um, she was a pup when she came in. Okay, so she's not that new to you no. guys. Yeah, okay. No, no. So um, it's it's a very unusual sort of scenario for, to have them that determined. I mean, most dogs will dig a hole, you know, they might go half a meter deep and just have a nice little hollow that they like to um, yep. to go in there. Um, border the border the collies are very high energy, high activity and, um, you know, highly intelligent dogs. And so yes. I guess my first protocol would always be to have a look at what we're doing from an exercise standpoint. Um, it may be that this dog is just um, using the digging as a bit of a stereotypical behavior because we're not getting enough exercise or not getting enough stimulation. Um, it was a really good candidate potentially for feeding out of a feeding cube rather than feeding out of a ball, some sort of a feeding toy or something they have to work. So we've got a job to do other than excavating your backyard. Um, and we often find that, you know, when we feed dogs that way, when we make them work for their food, even if it only takes them 45 or 75 minutes to get to the food, it often is a bit of a release for their brain and they can then relax and go down and, and be a little bit more calm and rested. So I'd have a look at see if you can do something like that. See about increasing her exercise level a little bit. Um, failing that, it may be worthwhile having a, um, a chat with your vet about whether she's got any um, anxiety-related behaviors that um, that might improve. I, I think safety is a, certainly a concern. If she's digging down that far, uh, um, yeah. it definitely is a concern. But I think we probably want to address the underlying issue first. Mm. Okay. Okay. Let's have a go All with right. that. It's a bit challenging. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, oh, she plays on the trampoline as well, so she's not a yeah. <laughs> not a fight dog. She no, likes that's right. Moving. Yeah, good. We have uh, Jan from Raymond Terrace. Now, you've got a 16-year-old dog, Jan, and he's developed an interesting form of behaviour. <laughs> yeah, I usually, it's my brother's dog, and I usually go up there and take her for a walk. And I haven't been doing that for a while, and she, um, any opportunity now, she um, she gets out, and she doesn't come to my place where she once upon a time did she just goes and they usually my brother usually has to pick her up from the pound oh right yeah and um 
not an uncommon yeah. scenario in an older dog. So we certainly know that cognitive decline and dementia are really common in older dogs. Um, in addition to that, they often are, don't hear as well. They often don't see as well. We know in dementia in humans, a sense of smell really dis- decreases, and that's also thought to happen in dogs. And so what you're probably seeing is a, a dog who's got good intentions. She's going out for her usual walk, but then she's getting disoriented. She's not picking up the um, visual cues or the scent cues as well. She's, you know, losing her way, um, mm. and she's not, you know, potentially just able to find her way back um, it also may be that her anxiety levels are coming up a little bit I know we talk a lot about anxiety in dogs but um, if you even have a very mildly anxious dog as they get older that tends to get worse and worse so it may be that she's out enjoying her little walk and a loud noise or something else startles her and where she wouldn't used to be worried by it now she could be and she may be taking off and going in the other direction um, and once that happens you know for an old dog it, getting finding their way back on track can be really really challenging um, there's also a thought that some people sort of say that you know old dogs often go away to to hide and, and die um, doesn't sound like she's doing that because it sounds like it's a fairly regular occurrence but um, it there's probably some level of of you know just decline of her mental function she's not physically able to relocate herself back to where she was so we need to be really careful with these old dogs and make sure that um, we're trying to keep them in as much as possible and and supervising them when they get out because lots of bad things happen to them they don't hear the cars coming um, down the road as often things like that so hmm so I used to take her for a walk this is going back some time and I haven't done it for ages so if I started doing that again it's possible it could help. It may refresh her memory about different cues or she may, she may be able to, um, you know, sort of, uh, root find a bit better if she, if you were taking her for a walk. I think we need to be careful that, um, we build up her fitness again. If she hasn't been de- taking for, um, yeah. lots of walks, we need to sort of work slowly and build up her fitness again because she'll, you know, have some of those, um, old creaky bones and joints and we need to do that a bit slowly. Yeah. But I think old dogs still often get a lot of enjoyment out of, um, you know, just tootling around and, and sniffing the environment and things like that like that um so i think it's still worthwhile doing for sure yeah yeah just just go for a little bit of a walk and yeah. then go back yeah and then go yeah. back yeah. yeah okay okay good luck and before that. i go i've got yeah. to say this yes um if i tell her to get into the car she gets in yeah this is going on the the karaoke thing mm-hmm. and then if I tell her to get out of the car, yep. she won't. She won't. <laughs> well, getting into a car usually means you're going somewhere exciting. Getting out of the no, car often means you... this is, this is the karaoke. The get out of my car. Get, in, get oh. into my car. <laughs> she I only, had to say that. <laughs> she only hears the first line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, all the best with, with your dog, okay. Jan. And uh, this is 2NURFM's Pet Chat. And mm. I would think this might be our last call. It is Gail who's rung in from Blackalls Park today. Gail, your dog has got a problem. Yes, my dog is a six-year-old cavalier. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had three bouts of bad diarrhoea. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time, well, at the moment he has it, but the time before, take him off food for three days and then introduce rice and chicken. Mm-hmm. He is a bit funny uh, with, like, beef products, so mm-hmm. I tend to keep him on um, chicken-only products. Yeah. Um, but this time... We gave him a few chips, like um, soy chips type thing, human food, mm-hmm. and it just sent him right off. Yeah. I need some, I've tried the three-day, don't give him any food. That's not working. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
I want a balanced diet or tell me what I'm not mm. doing or should be doing. Yeah. Or so listen, lots of dogs will have, I mean, dogs actually thrive for the most part on having a very um, consistent, stable diet. They don't tolerate, lots of dogs don't tolerate a lot of changes. If I gave my dog something like um, soy chips in her diet, she would have diarrhea for a few days as well. Um, I wouldn't usually recommend three days without food. We know now that the, the gut, the lining of the intestinal tract needs to have um, food going in, um, some sort of nutrition that it that it actually absorbs from by touching to to heal. So um, our current recommendations is not um, fasting for three days. Um, I would go straight to your bland boiled rice and boiled um, boiled or cooked skinless boneless chicken. Definitely want it to be cooked. We want to have a nice bland easy diet, small meals frequently. But I would look at maybe um, getting your dog onto a good quality sensitive stomach type diet, um, something that's going to to be um, easily digestible, something that's nice and stable, um, because it doesn't sound like your dog tolerates a lot of changes. Um, I also wouldn't recommend a raw diet for your dog because there are lots of dogs that don't tolerate that very well, and they'll get all sorts of things like Campylobacter and Salmonellosis overgrowing in the gut, which they probably tolerate most of the time, but every once in a while they won't, and they'll break out with diarrhea, and that puts you and your family at risk of Campylobacter or Salmonella diarrhea as well. Um, and, and I certainly yeah, I would... After a day and a half, I tried boiling the chicken and the rice. Yep. And I gave him probably uh, half, a quarter of a cup. Yeah. And then we were back to... Yeah. So is it an old dog or a young dog? Six-year-old. Six years old, yeah. So listen, I mean, if it's something that's happening relatively frequently, it's definitely worth a look into your vet. Um, a fecal sample to the vet uh, is really, really important. You may have some underlying um, bacterial or parasitic problems there. Making sure your dog is wormed every three months really re- routinely is really important. Um, but worming tablets won't get all the parasites that can be there. So certainly um, having a sample into your vet is really important. It's also the age where we sometimes see clinical conditions like inflammatory bowel disease or bowel cancer and things like that coming up. Um, so, you know, I think if it's happening relatively frequently, getting them checked out by your, by your veterinarian is definitely worthwhile. All right. Thank okay. you very much for your help. You're welcome, Gail. Good luck with that. Thank you, Gail. And we're getting close to the end of Pet Chat today. Of we course, are. we'll all be back uh, <laughs> next uh, Wednesday, it is, isn't it, after mm-hmm. the midday news for another edition of Pet Chat. But just before we go, just a reminder about our, our competition, our very first day. We have mentioned this. We're looking for your dirty dog, not actually the dog at the moment, <laughs> just a picture of. And if you go to our website, 2NURFM.com, and find the dirty dog on the left-hand side, down the bottom, click on that, click through to submit, and there you'll see the most wonderful pictures uh, of a couple of dirty dogs. Now, two of those are yours, Cheryl Shaw. They are. Yes, the two poodles. They've just been in the pond. Mm. (laughs) And they've come out with a a bit of something else from the pond. A bit of slush there. (laughs) And Sarah's uh, little gizmo dog is there as well. Yeah, but we're really looking forward to seeing everybody's dirty dogs. We Mm. love to see your dirty dogs. Great prize too. They can be pampered in this year of the dog. And, uh, yeah, you can be in it every month, the end of every month. Last Wednesday, we're going to be drawing that prize. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>